Hey, this is Jason Lyles, George from Rampage, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Long Box. Uh, hey everybody, welcome to Fan Expo 2021 uh, in Denver. Today we're starting off our day talking to Monty Moore, uh, artist of some renown, I would say. Uh, artist of a lot of different things, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, so most of you probably recognize his artwork from uh, Lady Death and, I mean, just all over the place. Like, you've done art pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yeah, almost every major publisher as well as a lot of the indie publishers, yeah. like you said, Lady Death. Uh, but I've also done some here and there covers for Vampirella, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, did a G.I. Joe cover this last year. So I, I try to spread it around and work with as many different clients as possible. That's awesome. So, you know, I was looking at it. You've done a lot of work for like corporate, you know, stuff as well. What are what's like one of the most interesting things that you've ever been like tasked with creating? <laughs> It's a pretty wide range. I'd have to think about that one. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing that I'm working on now as a super Star Wars nerd, it's a very full circle moment for me, nice. um, is the Mandalorian collection for Thomas Kincaid Studios. And so right now I'm the exclusive artist for that. But I would say probably the weirdest, as one of the weirdest assignments I ever had was for third edition Dungeons & Dragons. And it was for Wizards of the Coast. And they, at the time, they were publishing Dragon Magazine. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Dragon Magazine, that's awesome. I'm a longtime D&D player from when I was a kid. But the assignment that I got was I had to do a troll being dissected. <laughs> and so the troll was, like, on the table and was supposed to be, like, all opened up. And there's kind of a mad scientist over him. So, you know, I'm looking at, like, autopsy photos of how to illustrate something <laughs> yeah. like this. It was kind of gruesome. And I'm like, man, I'm glad I didn't become a doctor. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that, like, you know, as an artist, like, Lady Death isn't exactly, like, the, you know, sweetest, happiest, kindest. No, comic. no, she's definitely a bad girl. <laughs> and then I love that, like, you were grossed out by the autopsy photos. That's I know, stuff. strange. <laughs> but I will tell you that as an artist, Lady Death is super challenging to draw and paint because of the white hair and white skin. Oh, yeah. Right? So when you have, like, dark hair and flesh tones and things like that, you have all these other things in there. But when you're working with a more limited palette, like, you really kind of have to render well because white is hard to do yeah right because you if you have too much shadows and things like that she'll end up looking gray <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about like the partnership that you have with thomas kincaid to do the like the the mandalorian art tell me some about that yeah so i uh reached out uh, directly to the publisher after i saw some of the work they were doing with some superhero licenses um and so thomas kincaid studios uh is, you know, a lot of people know Thomas Kincaid died back in 2012, but the company still exists and has gone out and acquired pretty much the top licenses in the industry. So they have DC, Marvel, Disney, and um, now Star Wars, Lucasfilm. And so I had reached out to them and said, you know, I'm an illustrator. I love Star Wars. I'm a super nerd. Like even my motorcycle, one of my motorcycles, I custom painted, right? Symbols of the Empire on one side, Rebel Alliance on the other. I have a life-size Han Solo and Carbonite in my studio. 
Oh, nice. And so I reached out to them, and it was right when The Mandalorian was debuting, you know, a year and a half ago, almost two years. And uh, so I said, I know you guys are interested in, you know, we're talking about Star Wars. I said, does your license include The Mandalorian? And they's like, you know, let, let me get back to you on that. And within a short order, they're like, we're ready to go on Mandalorian right now. And so I started submitting sketches and things like that. So uh, what I am for them is a is a uh, essentially a contractor, but it is uh, we work very closely in collaboration with Lucasfilm. So what I'll do is for each episode, I'll do propose a painting. So I watch the episodes over and over. Then I'll do thumbnail sketches that I'll submit, and we'll discuss with Kincaid Studios, myself, and Lucasfilm. And then we'll decide what we think is going to be the most successful for the fans, what they're going to enjoy. And so I come at it from the standpoint of a fan. And uh, then once that's done, I'll do a tighter rendering of the one that's selected. And then if that's approved or there's usually, you know, small changes or whatnot, um, then that'll get submitted up the channel. And then I'll move to the final painting. And everything has to be super screen accurate down to the markings on the X-Wings in the background. Wow. And they'll say, okay, this is Trapper Wolf's X-Wing. Here's reference of what the markings look like on his ship. It's not just a generic X-Wing. So um, we want to create art that uh, intrigues people, makes them continue their love for the characters obviously Grogu and Mando are, are super popular right. especially anything with Grogu in it um, and we're just going to continue in that vein and then uh, I'm working with them right now to also hopefully expand the the uh, the realm of what I'm working on and you may get to see some original trilogy art from me coming out uh, in the near future on products as well. So I think it's interesting that because like the nerd fandom has gotten to like a certain age where they've either been professionals or become professional at what they're doing right. there's actually like a demand for fine art when it comes to mm-hmm. you know nerd uh, like nerd culture like you know, oh, yeah. Star Wars, Marvel it, well, that sort of thing. Yeah it's very elevated and, and there's a big business behind it. It's not inexpensive. Uh, Lucasfilm only kind of licenses the top people in a category. Right. Right. So an artist like myself can't just go get a Star Wars license. Right. Right. You have to be established and have galleries and marketing and all these kinds of things. So um, it's a it's it's a very pinnacle thing in my career to have be able to work on this kind of license. And there's great fan art in the world too. I have done plenty of artwork for fans. I remember I did a a painting of uh, Boba Fett 15, 20 years ago, and the wife commissioned it for the husband as their wedding present. Oh, that's cool. Right? And that's just really cool fan art for them to enjoy. Um, But it's also really cool to be able to walk into uh, anything from a fine art gallery to, honestly, a Target or a Kohl's or a Walmart and find that Seco, who's like the leading puzzle manufacturer, has licensed three of those images, and they're on puzzles. And you can get them there or on Amazon, and the investment's minimal, 10 bucks. Yeah. You know, and you get a great piece of art. You get a poster inside. You get the puzzle. It's all ages. And it really, it captures and brings together fandom from the very youngest, the new people who are getting into it, the new fans who can barely walk and go, you know, look, it's Grogu. Yeah. To the fans who are 50, 60 years old who own their own multi-million dollar businesses. 
one of my one of my favorite things when I was a kid was the G.I. Joe like interlocking puzzles. Oh yeah. They yeah. had all those great like old G.I. Joe paintings on them. So I can see how that would be just like absolutely incredible for a kid to like you know, his parents buy the puzzle because they want the poster, but the kid ends up right. loving Star Wars for yeah, the rest of their think life. Yeah, think about the span and the age of fandom. Like you're saying, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, Star Wars came out uh, in 77, and I would have been six years old, and I'm 50 now. Yeah. Right? So Star Wars has been a big part of my life since the some of the earliest Christmases that I can remember. Yeah. And when I started getting toys that year for a movie I hadn't seen yet, and then we saw it, you know, I stole my brother's toys. I was like, I became the Star Wars kid. Right. They're like, okay, well, you know, everybody got an action figure, but Monty ended up with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And my mom thought it was very disturbing, I think, when as like a 12-year-old I said, Mom, if I die suddenly... I want to be buried with my R2-D2 action figure. And she was like, what 12-year-old thinks of that? Like, why are you having those thoughts? I'm like, I just wanted you to know. (laughs) That's awesome. So, important question. Do you still have the R2-D2 to be buried with? I do. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Is it in your will? No, just kidding. I I did forward a couple of... uh, of my action figures to ne- nieces and nephews because I don't have kids. But there was there was just a couple things that for some reason I couldn't part with. They were my favorite ones. So I still have like Han and Luke, Hoth, Tauntaun figure. I still have my snow speeder. That was my favorite ship and because I was a big skier growing up. And I was like, oh, man, the snow scenes are awesome. So there's a couple things that are just still on the shelves for me. And I don't know who will end up with them, but I have no reason or desire to get rid of them right (laughs) so when you're when you're approaching like such a big license like obviously they're you know they're saying we need these things in it like how do you like how do you approach it creatively creatively while also like working within the limitations of the of the uh um license there it's there's such a wide range of of things that i get to draw on um and then uh, I, I look at it, uh, again, always from the fan point of view of would I want to buy that and put it in my home. And so for me, I look at the who are the characters with longevity and what's an important moment in the storyline. So if it's a character that's going to appear in one episode and then be gone, then that's not somebody I'm probably going to include or gravitate towards. And because it's for Kincaid Studios and they have such a history of you know, colorful palette and, you know, you want to keep it very family friendly and stuff like that. So you're not going to see any art in that realm that's going to have, you know, stormtroopers, you know, getting blown off the edge of a, you know, podium or whatever, because that's not going to sell that well. And it's not really in keeping with what their audience is as well. So we want to appeal to not only those existing uh, Kincaid fans, but also the Star Wars fandom, right? So I'm here this weekend at Fan Expo Denver, and this is the first time that I've ever been able to show and offer the pieces as limited edition prints and open edition prints, which are in our Mandalorian booth over at, at uh, 552. And so that booth is only showing those pieces, and so we're, we're trying to walk that fine line and bring the, the collectors together from literally both Star Wars and Kincaid to say, hey, here's a fine art offering that is a, you know, archival gicle, which means a museum quality print. They're finely framed. And it's really rewarding when uh, fans will come up to you and say, 
I want this for my game room or I want this as a wedding present or I want this for my living room, yeah. right? Because fandom isn't always relegated to the game room now. People say, no, 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 my whole house yeah. <laughs> is, you know, if it's, a, if it's a couple that both enjoy science fiction and fantasy and comics and games and everything that has to do with pop culture, you know, now it's like, oh, well, you can only put that in the garage. I think a lot of those days are past. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My house is full of junk. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it occurred to me that there may be a time when Giancarlo Esposito has, like, a painting of himself that you've done. Like, have you thought about what it... I'm, wh- getting, his, I'm getting him to sign my copy yeah. <laughs> this because he's here, and I was like, I need to have a booth, and I need to try to get this artwork out there. And so when I saw that he was coming to the show as Grand Moff, um, I was like, I- I'm totally getting my signing. So I-, so I had to nerd out a little bit. Right. <laughs> like, have you thought about, like, or have you received any reaction from, like, people that you've, like, had the chance to depict in your paintings? I, I was at Celebration Japan, and it was the only show that I was at that I can recall that Mark Hamill was actually at. And so I stood in line like any other good fan would, and I had a stack of my celebration prints that depicted he and, and uh, Yoda from uh, Empire Strikes Back and the Dagobah scene. And I had him sign my print for me and a couple of prints. Um, and then I gifted him a bunch of prints after the show, and I sent him to his son and said, hey, these are, these are a gift. You can sell them, enjoy them, give them away. Um, and Carrie Fisher, I got to meet Carrie Fisher at Celebration 3, same thing. She was leaving, and, and I walked up to the handlers. I said, hey, this is a gift. And when people see how they're depicted, they say, wow, this is beautiful. I really like what you've done here. It, it's very rewarding as an artist because capturing a person's portrait and their character as the persona of that is really a challenge. Yeah. That's why there's a, it's a smaller cadre of artists who are painting kind of high realism because the fans do want it to look like them. You don't want somebody to come up and go, is that supposed to be Chewbacca? <laughs> right? Like that, yeah. you know that you haven't failed, but, or that you have failed if, if somebody says that. But uh, I, I strive as, a, as an artist to make sure that my portraits are accurate and they capture the strength of the character. That's awesome, man. I would, that would be like a super rewarding feeling as an artist. Like I just, I can't, I mean, obviously I have very little artistic talent. Like I can draw logos and that's about it, you right. know, but so it's interesting to think about what that would be like well sorry i'm I'm rambling now that's (laughs) okay monty thank you so much for your time man can you tell uh can you tell our fans how they can find you and like where to look for the thomas kincaid art and all of your other art yeah so they can get it directly from thomas kincaid studios and go to the mandalorian collection and then i hope to in the future have my own gallery website where i'll offer them but I don't have a, an approved name and a website for right. that portal yet, but it'll be out there. Um, so they can go directly to there. Some of them are also on Amazon. So if you were to search Mandalorian Monty Moore, you'll find puzzles and prints. Uh, and then if people want to follow me on social media, they can look up Monty Michael Moore on Facebook. And my company name for my studio is called Maverick Arts. So you can go to Maverick Arts or Mavarts uh, for short on uh the for the website and that's also my instagram page is mavarts and you can follow the art there is and you'll see posts and links and and such so um i do have a a fairly active social media presence out there but because facebook is such a great medium for both art and communication that's kind of my primary one 
Uh, but I've also been posting throughout the weekend on Instagram as well. That's awesome. Well, again, Monty, thank you so much for your You're time. You're welcome. And there may be a time in my future where I can own a Thomas Kincaid painting just like my grandma. There you Except go. Except for it's going to be very different subject yeah. matter. <laughs> but yours can have TIE Fighters and X-Wings yeah, exactly. and Panthers and, and things her, like that. And hers will stick with like a lighthouse or something. Right? But, you know, in the corner, they'll still both say Thomas Kincaid exactly. Studios. So, you know, that shows an evolution of, uh, you know, offering a wider breadth of art. Uh, and I will tell you that the standard is is quite high for them. They sent me a lot of the books and I was looking. And I'm a pretty experienced artist. I've been an illustrator for 30 years. And I still look at some of those paintings and I go, how in the hell did he paint that? <laughs> right? You, awesome. look, you look at snow scenes and what he does with light and it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And, and I'm still always trying to become a better artist and bring in some of the things that he was able to do. Because quite honestly, a lot of those scenes, they're, they really are kind of magical. And that's why there's, you know, a lot of the Disney pieces that they do are so successful as well. Right. Because uh, it's, it's a tall order, I can tell you that. <laughs> it's not the first order, but it's a tall order. Well, I can, ima- <laughs> I can imagine that the, the crossover between the standard Thomas Kincaid fan and the Disney fan are probably pretty similar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I will say that one of my really cool sort of weekend moments was two months ago three months ago i got to go to the art of disney in at at disney world in florida and do a three-day signing for the release of this and to to walk into first of all the art of disney that has a banner up saying monty moore here this weekend i was like oh my god i I think i might have made it (laughs) you're all this is too much (laughs) and and to actually have a line there like i'm normally not the artist that has like a big line waiting for me because I've never been an overnight success. I'm like the journeyman artist that's been at it for 30 years, and I'm always still plugging away. I'm in the trenches, you know? And so to walk in and see 10 people, you know, it doesn't have to be 100, but 10 people waiting there for you to sign and give them a remark, it was it was just very rewarding. That's awesome. You know, I'm like, there's people here. This is good. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, though, the journeyman artist is the guy that turns into, like, Mike Grell or something like that. Absolutely, where, like, yep. Those Where, are the those are the legends at yeah. the end of their career. And that's, yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Like that's a that's a legacy to shoot for any day. <laughs> yeah, and because if if, if 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 towards the end of it, when you've had 40, 50 years in your career, and people say, "I put you in a category," and if it's with a a, a Wrightson or a Jusco or Frazetta or somebody that they respect, and say, "I like your art too," that's the, that's the reward in it. Yeah, right. Because that's a that's a kind of thing that you don't shoot for you just hope happens as a byproduct of your hard work <laughs> right yeah. that's awesome man yep. well i'm gonna let you get back to work monty Thanks thank you so much for, your for time, uh, really helping get it. the word out there to the pop culture world absolutely and all the success on those star wars paintings man that thank sounds you. awesome appreciate <laughs> it this is the way <laughs> have a good one man Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, and YouTube for behind-the-scenes information and more content! Thinking Outside the Long Box is a barren space production! Ah!